Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Before we begin, I, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might really, really enjoy. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls and hackers and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel this, this giant mystery with the help of those who know best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, even a former Russian KGB agent. Join Europe Bureau Chief of Global News, Jeff Semple. He goes on a journey to unravel how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. You can listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying the ongoing history of new music. Do it. Trust me, you'll love it. This is me talking to Nathan Folliwell, the drummer for Kings of Leon. This is a good year, actually, for Southern Rock. I mean, you know, My Morning Jacket comes along, a critically acclaimed album. You guys come along with your fourth record. And again, everybody's just freaking over it. It's, what is it about Tennessee and Kentucky these days? I don't know. I think it's uh, everyone's starting to wake up and realize that there's some good music that comes out of the South of America, I guess. You know, you ask... Anyone ever ask you where your band's from, whatever you say, Tennessee, they automatically think, oh, Southern Rock, or Leonard Skinner, or Allman Brothers, or... But I think us and My Morning Jacket, um, we're kind of giving Southern Rock a, a different, you know, a different face, I guess. Noel Gallagher would say that there's, there's been a shift, a fundamental shift in the sound of the band from albums one, two, and three, and, and this record. Um, isn't that the point? Aren't you supposed to change a little? Well, not if you're Oasis. Well, uh, yeah, or you could just make the same record over and over. I mean, if that worked for you. But uh, no, we um, we were so young when we started that it's not like we went in and like intention, like, okay, this next record has to be completely different from the the last one. It was just it was just us growing musically. I mean, my little brother was Jared was 15 when we did the first record, and so he's 21 now. So obviously, you're gonna. Your style is going to change a little. You're going to get better, hopefully, at your instrument. And uh, I think that's why our, our records have changed so much from, from one to the next. Just it wasn't really a conscious thing to, you know, change drastically. It was more of, you know, we've changed as people and musicians and our musical influences have changed. And this is pretty much the, the end result. <laughs> There's more where that came from. This is part two of Kings of Leon in their own words. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Someone like you and all you know and how you speak. Countless levels under cover of the street. You know that I can use somebody. Kings of Leon with one of the songs from their only By the Night album, which came out in 2008. And this is a band who really did become somebody over the last couple of years. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross, and this is the second half of a show where all four guys in Kings of Leon tell their own story in their own words. I had a chance to talk to all three Followable Brothers and their cousin Matthew. Good dudes. On part one, we got as far as the second album, Aha Shake Heartbreak, which came out in 2005. Let's get Nathan Followable to finish up with that record. Okay, so that's the first album. The second album comes along, and what changes? We had been to Europe in the UK and experienced, you know, 
crazy times because over there we were big from day one over there like just why is that i think they were kind of fascinated with the story you know the way we were raised and how we the whole good versus evil we grew up you know preacher sons and now we're out doing stuff that preacher sons shouldn't do um but yeah in between the first and second record we just toured a lot and experienced the the highs and the highs of rock and roll and uh that produced aha shake the second record which was pretty much about boozing and drugging and women and all that good stuff i would love to go home with you and hang out in the cafe on main street you buy me a couple of drinks and it just might happen buddy <laughs> third album comes along where's where's the band go from there third album we kind of had to take a look in the mirror at ourselves well we came home off a tour and our mom busted out crying when she saw us. We were all super skinny and pale and been doing way too much stuff that we shouldn't have been doing and she was like, I don't even recognize my boys, I don't know. And so it just took, you know, one of us was kind of like, you know, we're home now for a couple of weeks, let's just chill out, settle down. And another one was like, you know what, well if you're going to chill out for a while then I will. So we all kind of just helped each other out and um, quit doing most of the stuff we were and uh, just you know tried to focus tried to focus on the music and went in and made because of the times made it at home in Nashville so it was a little more chill we weren't which studio did you use uh, Blackbird okay I don't know that one oh, I made, oh, the best because I, I was with uh, the Three Doors Down guys at uh, Ocean Way Ocean Way that's a good one that was kind of that used to be the the spot but yeah. now Blackbird see, is just Really? Insane. Yeah, so we did the third record at home, and, you know, we're in L.A. tempted by all the stuff that goes on. I mean, L.A., it's, you find yourself rushing through the day because there's always a new club opening or a cool bar or your friends that live there want to hang out because they never get to see you. So the record kind of, you know, gets put on the back burner because you're just wanting to enjoy being in L.A. and hanging out. But doing the record in Nashville, you know, there's stuff to do, but it's not in your face like a New York or an L.A. or a place like that. So we really just got to focus on the music and the kind of record we wanted to make. And that was because of the times. This was a single from Because of the Times. It's called On Call. Be that way. The track is On Call from the third Kings of Leon album, Because of the Times. Because of the Times. Five syllables again. That's the Kings of Leon rule for every album title. It must have five syllables. Remember how Kings of Leon records initially did better in Europe than in North America? Because of the Times debuted at number one in Russia, which was news to the band, I guess. I found it rather interesting that uh, Because of the Times debuted at number one in Russia. Really? Yeah. That's that's the word that when the album came out, it on the Russian charts for whatever that's worth, number one. Wow. We always I said we wanted to break into Russia. I think it's because we because we like Russian prostitutes so much. I think. Listen, they they, they probably took it back to their native land and was like, you got to check these guys out. 
Listen, man, they send over strippers here by the crate load, so. Really? Um, we'll talk. Stick around. We'll talk afterwards. I got, I got a couple of places. All right. Here's another track from Because of the Times. It's called Knocked Up. Kings of Leon from their third album, Because of the Times. That's the lead-off track, Knocked Up. Kings of Leon are one of those rare commodities, a band that was allowed to become successful the old-fashioned way. They grew slowly. They were allowed to find a sound, find a fan base, and then grow that fan base. The label didn't panic or threaten them or otherwise freak out. They just let things happen. All this patience really paid off with the fourth album, Only by the Night. We heard this clip on the last show, but it's worth hearing again. So we're uh, a bunch of albums into what looks like a, a very sustainable career. And it's, it's rather interesting with you guys because you start with an EP, re- release a bunch of albums, and you're allowed to develop as a band, which is, is unusual because, let's face it, a lot of bands these days, you get one album, one or two singles, and out. Mm-hmm. It's. Uh, I, I guess it must be some some pretty cool vindication. You know, leave us alone, let us develop, let us build a fan base, and we can. We'll turn this into a monster. Well, it's you know, especially now, when you know the things that are that are happening in our career and and things that you know that, like you say, a lot of bands don't get to do. Um, for us, it's just it's so much sweeter, you know, because we worked our way to where we are now. You know, you have a lot of bands that come out and they have this one flute pop hit and they're playing, you know, these big venues on their first album and then their second album tanks and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, it's album four before we get to play these places. So we've worked our way up and we've waited for this moment and we've prepared for it. And so, I mean, I don't know if the record label did it on purpose. I think just the way that we made records and the way that they would be surprisingly successful in certain places and then other places they were just kind of under the radar so they they kind of had to let us develop because they didn't want to you know they didn't want to drop us from the label when they knew they were guaranteed 500,000 sold in the UK and Australia and all this, you know. And that's the interesting thing, too, is because your first seat of success, is, it wasn't in America, it wasn't in North America, it was, it was in the UK and Europe, which, which is a bit <coughs> unexpected for a, a band from, from Tennessee. Yeah, especially considering when we first came out, the sound that we were producing was, you know, we thought that the South was going to be the only place that would actually get it. And the South was one of the last places to get it. Um, and there were these, be these kids in Ireland that would be singing our songs, and we were just like, "Ha!" I, I didn't, I didn't know how they could understand what I was saying. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. And I mean, I definitely think there was some luck involved. Um, but you know, after that all passed, we. We really worked, and every time we write a song, every time we make an album, we all sit down and, you know, we kind of talk about what we want to do next and what what we want to do that we haven't done before. I think our backstory kind of kept their attention long enough for them to realize, oh, you know, besides the fact that there are three brothers and a cousin and were raised 
on the road by a preacher father. I think, um, I think the story definitely sucked them in. But then, you know, it kept their attention long enough to realize that, you know, this, this band might have some potential to, you know, actually, actually make great music and be something more than just a, a novelty. You know, when we first got to England, I mean, I honestly think they were surprised that we had socks and shoes on <laughs> when we stepped off the plane. Like, I think they were expecting just these wild, crazy, hillbilly, redneck, you know, guys that had never seen the world. And which we were, we just had socks and shoes on. Here's part of the conversation I had with Nathan Falwell about the big hit Sex on Fire. Were you surprised at the quick success of Sex on Fire? Very surprised. I mean, that's not, that wasn't even going to be the title. That was a joke. Like, that was... Caleb just used that lyric. This was a dummy lyric until we could find something better to fill it. And everyone's like, no, man, that sounds, that sounds really good. And we were like, no way. That's a joke. Sex on Fire. Come on, give me a break. And... Somehow it stuck, and that's how it always goes. The one song that you don't want to use as a single or something like that, that's the one that usually everyone's like, yeah, man, that's the hit, that's the... So we've learned to... We didn't have much success on the first two or three doing it the way we wanted to do it, so this one we were like, all right, we'll, we'll use the single that they think would work, and they kind of know what they're talking about, so it, it worked out great for us. There's more on that same subject from Nathan. Was Sex on Fire a last-minute addition to that record? It wasn't a last-minute addition. It was um, just kind of one of those that we were all scratching our head as to whether or not, where did it fit on the album? Because, you know, it, it was kind of a standout song. And we went in there, like we had recorded the song, but then one day, just goofing around, Matthew and Jared, were over while they were playing it, were over their own like this keyboard going and playing this little beat with it and so they pushed record and laid it down and once that all came together it was like man this you know this is obviously has the feel of a huge song but you know where where are we going to fit this on the album so i i voted for it to not make the album um but they voted me out so that's how they do with mo most of our big singles. I vote for them to not be on the record just because I'm silly. But. Kings of Leon with Sex on Fire, the big track from Only by the Night, and to think that it almost didn't make the record. So, there's the history of Kings of Leon. When we come back, we'll look at some of the stuff about the band that doesn't have to do with music. I think you'll find this interesting, especially if you like remixes and cars. So, we've pretty much covered the entire history of Kings of Leon. Here's some stuff that goes beyond their basic story. Bat for Lashes is a Pakistani-born singer who works out of the UK. In the spring of 2009, she recorded a version of You Somebody. I always wondered what a band thinks when someone else records one of their songs. Have you heard uh, the Bat for Lashes cover of uh, You Somebody? Uh-uh. I just heard it the other day. No, I just got it sent to me. Oh, what do you think of it? I think it's pretty cool. You know, church organ, tambourine, and that voice of hers? Yeah, I love Bat for Lashes. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. There's been quite a few, though. Uh, like Elite did when I'm knocked up, which is maybe my favorite. 
It's really, really. She's the Swedish. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You should check that. That's probably one of the best <coughs> covers anyone's ever done. And, and then we've had a bunch of people do uh, remixes for us. Um, like CSS did one, and a few other really cool people. What would they remix? The Bucket. Oh, okay. It's cool. They totally did their own interpretation of it too. Like it's not none of the original music whatsoever. Justin Timberlake, like really beach vibey. Justin so. Timberlake did one. Um, Pharrell did Pharrell. one. Pharrell. Um, Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson. We usually a lot of people submit uh, remixes to this, but we usually only choose the ones that are completely different. Mm-hmm. And usually it's someone that isn't, you know in a rock band or anything like that we kind of want something different because it's it, you know it's pretty interesting when you write a song and and you hear someone else you know give their interpretation of it it's pretty, and pretty we're going to try to be the first band that makes more publishing money off of remixes and covers than we actually did the original song it's just weird sometimes if you're having a party at your house or something like that you kind of feel embarrassed to play your own songs so the only way you can do that is to play remixes of your own songs you know to let yeah. people know, like, look, you're in my house. We're listening to my music. <laughs> yeah. I think Depeche Mode's probably in first place in the remix department. Yeah, I know. Maybe. They, they released a whole album, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, I got that tons of bootlegs. <laughs> tons and tons of bootlegs of all these weird remixes that sound absolutely nothing like the originals. We're going to try to do that. If that can get us out of it, if that can be counted as one of our albums, we'll do it. That would be, you know what? That would be cool. Just a collection of, of uh, Kings of Leon remixes done by our favorite people. That would be cool. And then, then we'll release our own music because we'll be out of the record deal. What about collaborations? Here's Nathan Followell again. Is there anybody that you'd like to collaborate with? Um, Anne. That's a tough one. Probably, uh... Because Jack White did the whole Loretta Lynn thing, which really worked out well. Yeah, that, that was cool. Um... I don't know. We like Radiohead a lot. Mm. That'd be fun just to get freaky, experimental with those guys. See what would come out, because you got the whole southern country boy thing, and then they're the total opposite of that. So that'd be a nice little... Uh, Tom York just posted a, a remix that he's uh, dedicating to Barack Obama. So uh, I don't know where you lie politically, but you'd have to probably wrestle Tom over certain political stances. I retired my Obama button uh, the day after the election. I wore it pretty, uh, I was pretty strong. Uh, We're a very happy band Mm. in the direction that America's going right now. I don't know why anybody would ever want that job, but man, the dude's got some issues ahead of him. Oh, man. I I was talking to my girl, and I was like, like the day after, I'm like, I wonder if he woke up and was like, what the hell have I done? (laughs) Like... You know, it's like it's like getting the hottest girl in school. Then you get her in the car, and it's like, oh man, okay, I've got her here now. What the hell do I do with her? Uh, so he's got a he's got a tough road ahead of him, but he can't do any worse. I mean, you know, things can only get better. I mean, so we'll we'll see how it goes. It'd be interesting to see what happens with music, because usually during Republican administrations. Young people are pissed off about something, yeah. so they get aggressive the and angst. angry. Yeah. Right. And, and rock tends to be really, really strong. You get a Democrat, usually during times of optimism, music gets a little lighter and poppier and people kind of dance. Yeah. So here's an interesting situation. A guy comes in, first African-American president. He's a Democrat, 
but he's fighting a war on two fronts and the economy is in the crapper. The expectations on this guy are really, really high. The optimism, really, really high. So it's going to be interesting to see how music evolves. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, a lot of urban music with flutes and <laughs> harps and, you know, uplifting angelic sounding, but with an urban undertone to it. Uh, I don't know. I think music will be, be fun. I mean, you know, I'm just... That made us so sick as a band. All these bands reviving their careers by these political anti-Bush anti songs and anti, you know, you're a band, you're a musician, you make music. You're not a politician, you know. I think Bill Clinton was the only president that I would want to see play a musical instrument, and that's because he could play a saxophone. But I don't want to see George Bush playing the drums, so I really don't want to see a band writing a song based on you know, the situation, or especially a band that's just trying to revive their career. So early on, we never, we never kind of fell into that. We didn't want to, you know, be one of those bands. We waited till it kind of, that became uncool to do that. And then, you know, we, we put a couple of lyrics and a couple of songs that could have been taken as political, but, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it was time for a change and it happened and, Buckle up. Here we go. Okay, let's go back to that idea of remixes and covers. Here's that Bat for Lashes cover of You Somebody. See what you think. Someone like you. for Lashes with her interpretation of You Somebody by Kings of Leon. So what do you do when you're a young guy in a band who is suddenly coming to some money and you can now buy anything you want? Maybe you buy a cool car or two. Who here is the, is the gearhead? Who likes cars? Matthew and Jerry. Those two. Yeah? Okay. Let's talk about cars. Okay. What do you got? I got a uh, 2008 Z06 you know, a Corvette. Okay. Oh, I got a bunch of motorcycles, three Harleys. We've got a V-Rod Muscle, a Nightster, and a 88 Sportster Chopper. Why'd you go for the ZR6? Wasn't that expensive and it was really fast. So I just thought it would be good, I don't know, first sports car. It's good oh. American muscle. Built in Bowling Green, so. Totally. It's right up the road. Um, next, will be a, next will be like a 68 Fastback Mustang for sure. There's one in the garage right now outside this place. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a uh, GTR okay. 2009. Okay, now we're talking. Yeah. Sorry, no disrespect <laughs> to vet owners, <laughs> but uh, GTR is a hell of a car. Yeah, it's fast. Yeah, we live in it's America, scary. lots of straight roads, so, you know, we'll see. So it doesn't beat them that bad. Yeah, but it's got it's got cooler gear on the inside. With all, it's like a video game driving that car. Oh, definitely, it's got tons of cool stuff in there. Um, it's yeah, it's great for just a you know if it wasn't even fast, it's still a great car. Like with all the stuff, it's got two Bose subwoofers and stuff like that. It's got a great sound system, um, which is cool for listening to mixes and stuff. And then I got a uh, motorcycle too. I'm happy with my '81 Datsun. <laughs> it's still got 412,000 miles on it. Are you, you're not kidding. You have an 81 dots with <laughs> Okay. You're never really sure. Now, now we're talking cars. <laughs> no offense, GTR. 
every guy has got his 10 car garage. What else? Okay, you got the GTR and the vet. What else would you put in there? Um, uh, Aston Martin, Ford GT, Mercedes McLaren. Oh God! And you guys Prius. are serious. Thinking about it, affordable things. <laughs> Prius. Oh, no. it, well, if if it's just like a dream garage, then oh yeah, Bugatti, Trek, Suzu Rodeo, um, '69 Camaro. No, I want to get an old Chevy Stingray Miller. with a split back. Uh, old the, Jaguar. The back window that yeah. split. See, I don't know shit about cars neither. I just know when I see something I like, I'll buy it. I call shotgun. You can play your R&B The fellowship time. It always comes a little too soon. The land of the creek. 17. Kings of Leon. And that is the story of Kings of Leon, as told by Kings of Leon. More of these shows as we go on. All the technical stuff is by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 